Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. The 29th of July and on this day in Christian history we go back to the year 1968 and we travel to Rome where a press conference launched Paul VI's final encyclical, Humane Vitae. There have been a long-standing general prohibition across Christian groups on contraception and abortion, going back to the church fathers such as Clement of Alexandria and St. Augustine, who had condemned the practices. However, there had been a gradual loosening of the prohibition in 1930. The Anglican Communion had allowed for contraception in limited circumstances after the Lambeth Conference. Protestants generally followed and contraception was allowed so Pope Pius XI had written an encyclical Casti Coniubi in 1930 which reaffirmed the Catholic Church's belief in various traditional Christian teachings on marriage and sexuality, including the prohibition of artificial birth control, even within marriage. However, with the appearance of the first oral contraceptives in 1960, there was growing pressure from within the Church to reconsider the position. In 1963, Pope John XXIII established a commission of six European non-theologians to study questions of birth control and population. And as the Second Vatican Council was concluding, Paul VI enlarged the council to 58 members, which included married couples, lay women, theologians and bishops. The last document issued by the council Gaudium et Spes, contained a section titled Fostering the Nobility of Marriage. But the determination of licit and illicit forms of regulating birth had been reserved to Pope Paul VI. After the Council, the Commission held its fifth and final meeting and submitted a report approved by a majority of 64 members to Paul VI. It proposed that he approved of artificial contraception without distinction of the various means. A minority of four members of the Commission opposed this report and issued a parallel report to the Pope. After two more years of study and consultation, today, July the 29th, the Pope issued Humane Vitae, which went against the majority consultation and removed any doubt that the Church viewed hormonal Anti-ovulance is contraceptive. He explained why he did not accept the opinion of the majority report of the Commission. The encyclical itself states that to experience the gift of married love while respecting the laws of conception is to acknowledge that one is not the master of the source of life, but rather the minister of the design established by the Creator. Human life is sacred. All men must recognise that fact. Stating the principle of double effect, the Church did not ban medical treatments that would result in temporal infertility, providing such impediments were not directly intended. And it also encouraged the practice of spacing births, but by using natural cycles. Underpinned by the idea of natural law, the Church could not be its arbiter, only the guardian and interpreter, and wanted to preserve intact the whole moral law of marriage. The encyclical also acknowledged the difficulties of doing this in the developing world 
at a time where there are growing fears of overpopulation. Dissent was immediate and widespread, and possibly unprecedented. The Belgian Cardinal Leo Sunens urged the Church to avoid another Galileo affair, and many prominent theologians said the Pope's decision was against the advice of his council, and it had frustrated the principle of collegiality which had been developed at the council, that of common governance. The Pope was troubled by the encyclical's reception in the West, and acknowledging the controversy, he said in a letter a month later to the Congress of German Catholics, May the lively debate aroused by our encyclical lead to a better knowledge of God's will. The next year he had a meeting with one of the main critics of Humane Vitae, Cardinal Sunens. And according to the writer Paul Heppelthwaite, Paul heard him out and said merely, yes, pray for me. Because of my weakness, the church is badly governed. However, in a homily three years later, on the feast of Peter and Paul, referring to the arguments within the church, he famously said that from some crevice the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God. There is doubt, uncertainty, problems, restlessness, dissatisfaction and confrontation. We no longer trust the church. It was believed that after the council there would come a sunny day for the history of the church. Instead, a day of clouds, storms, darkness, of uncertainty has come. We preach ecumenism and we detach ourselves more and more from others. In the homily, there's no acknowledgement that many people saw this as a direct result of Humane Vitae. And he was to refer to Humane Vitae weeks before his death in 1978 in an address to the College of Cardinals, but only to reaffirm its teaching. An ancient tradition in the church states that the truth of a doctrine is known by the universality of its reception or acceptance into the church. And it has been argued that Humane Vitae has never passed the condition of reception to become church doctrine. Polls show that most Catholics use artificial methods of contraception and very few use natural family planning. However, there have been developments in fertility awareness since the 1960s and it has given rise to natural family planning organisations such as the Billings Ovulation Method and the Crichton Model Fertility Care Scheme. Subsequent popes have reaffirmed Humane Vitae. John Paul II had been invited as Archbishop Karol Wojtyla to the commission, but the Polish government authorities would not permit him to travel to Rome in a time of communism. Wojtyla had already defended the church's position from a philosophical standpoint in his 1960 book, Love and Responsibility. His biographer, George Weigel, attributes much of the poor reception of the encyclical to the omission of many of Wattier's arguments. And after he became Pope after the short-lived John Paul I, Wattier as John Paul II developed his thinking with a series of lectures called The Theology of the Body, in which he talked about the original unity between man and woman, purity of heart on the Sermon of the Mount, marriage and celibacy and reflections on Humane Vitae, focusing largely on responsible parenthood and marital chastity.
1981, in Familias Consortio, he restated the Church's opposition to artificial birth control, and again in his 1993 encyclical Veritatis Splendor. However, he also clarifies the use of conscience in arriving at moral decisions, including in the use of contraception. A point that was made in Humani Vitae is often overlooked. Pope Benedict admitted that the encyclical was controversial, yet so crucial for humanity's future. Humani Vitae became a sign of contradiction, but also of continuity of the Church's doctrine and tradition, saying what was true yesterday is true also today. And Benedict warned that if only the body is satisfied, then love becomes a commodity. In Manila, Pope Francis said to a meeting with families, I think of Blessed Paul VI. At a time when the problem of population growth was being raised, he had the courage to defend openness to life in families. He knew the difficulties that there are in every family. And so in his encyclical, he was merciful towards particular cases, and he asked confessors to be very merciful and understanding in dealing with particular cases. But he also had a broader vision. He looked at the peoples of the earth. He saw the threat of the destruction of the family through the privation of children. Paul VI was courageous. He was a good pastor, and he warned his flock of the wolves who were coming. Also, in an interview given to the Italian newspaper Corriere della Sera, he expressed his opinion and praise for Humane Vitae. Everything depends on how Humane Vitae is interpreted. Paul VI himself, in the end, urged confessors to be very merciful and pay attention to concrete situations. But his genius was prophetic. He had the courage to stand against the majority, to defend moral discipline, to exercise a cultural restraint, and to oppose present and future neo-Malthusianism. Prophecy is often rejected, and maybe this is what is, was behind the encyclical's problem with reception. So how can we assess Pope Francis's claim that Humane Vitae is prophetic? Very few Christians have read Humane Vitae, and the Pope made rather general prophecies about what would happen if the Church's teaching on contraception was ignored. Firstly, that the widespread use of artificial contraception would lead to conjugal infidelity and the general lowering of morality. Well, certainly sexual morality has changed in an incredible way. Secondly, the Pope also observed that the widespread acceptance of contraception would place a dangerous weapon in the hands of those public authorities who take no heed of moral exigencies. The forced abortion programme in China demonstrates the extremities towards which governments would take population programmes. They are trying to reverse this now with a three-child programme. There's also growing evidence that many parts of the world face not overpopulation, but underpopulation and ageing and shrinking populations. However, in Humane Vitae, Paul, Pope Paul made some positive predictions as well. In section 21, he remarked, The discipline which is proper to the purity of married couples, far from harming conjugal love, rather confers on it a higher human value. It demands continual effort, yet thanks to its beneficent influence, husband and wife fully develop their personalities, 
being enriched with spiritual values. Such discipline bestows upon family life fruits of serenity and peace and facilitates the solution of other problems. It favours attention for one's partner, helps both parties to drive out selfishness, the enemy of true love, and deepens their sense of responsibility. This was developed by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. However, it's often thought that if John Paul had died earlier, another influential Jesuit, Cardinal Martini, would have become Pope. Italian journalists noting the difference between the red robes of a Cardinal and the white robes of a Pope loved to speculate whether Martini Rosso would become one day Martini Bianco. And even with Parkinson's disease, he still received a number of votes at the first ballot in the 2005 conclave, which would eventually elect Pope Benedict. Towards the end of his life, Martini had moved to Jerusalem, and in 2008 a book was published called Night Conversations with Cardinal Martini, The Relevance of the Church for Tomorrow. He argued that Humane Vitae had cut the church off from many of the people who he contends most need the church's advice about human sexuality. By ignoring the advice of a commission of experts and wrongly making a highly personal decision on the matter of contraception, Martini referred critically to the solitary nature of this decision. And in his book, A Conversation with Another Jesuit, he said, I knew Paul VI well. With the encyclical, he wanted to express consideration for human life. He explains his intention to some of his friends by using a comparison. Although one must not lie, sometimes it's not possible to do otherwise. It may be necessary to conceal the truth, or it may be unavoidable to tell a lie. It is up to the moralist to explain where sin begins, especially in cases in which there is a higher duty than the transmission of life. Martini claimed that Paul VI had promulgated Humane Vitae with a sense of solitary duty and motivated by a profound personal conviction. For some, prophetic at a time when sexual morality has changed at an unprecedented rate, and for others a tragic mistake has distanced many from the Church. Humane Vitae has become the most controversial encyclical of modern times. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the life of Johann Sebastian Bach, one of the most influential composers in Western culture. I hope you've enjoyed listening. For links to any reading that I've done to research this, then please visit us on www.pogp.net. If you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod.net at gmail.com and if you have time please subscribe and share the podcast with friends have a lovely day wherever you are thanks for listening